Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York. I don't want to pick favorites, but Thursday is my favorite day of the week for a couple of reasons. Uh, first off, it is the pre-weekend. Nate, I don't know if you were like this. Nate Bauer, senior editor, Blue White Illustrated, joining the show. We're jumping right into the conversation. Do you remember there was a certain pressure in college, especially, and in your early 20s, when Friday hits? You've got to have fun. Like, it is your, it is now your job to have a blast. At least that was the way it felt in college to me. Was that is that sure. just me, or do you know what I'm talking about? Like, by the time that you get to Friday, you're saying that the weekend had to kick off on Thursday or you weren't doing it right? No, no, no. I'm saying that Thursday, in that environment of, like, Friday, Saturday especially, is like, where are you going? What party are you going to? Who are you going to go out with? Uh, sure. You know, what friend group? You know, you got to have, you got to make sure you're yeah. having that fun after yeah. the week of work. Thursday had no pressure. There was no pressure on Thursday. I yeah. loved Thursdays because it didn't come with all of that stuff. But yeah, you're right. It was the pre-fun to the weekend. So it, it basically made the weekend start on Thursday, which is why I'm here and not doing other things with math or science. <laughs> yeah, I was. I mean, I was going to say I was so focused on my studies okay. that I just I, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like that. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, one of the reasons I like Thursdays is because we get to kick off our shoes and talk. Just hang out sure. here on the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. As I said, that's Nate Bauer. We are answering your questions on the Mailbag Show. We get into some interesting topics. We'll get in-depth with some things. But the first thing, Nate, I want to start with is uh, that, that uh, seltzer you're drinking, by the way. Sure. Excellent yeah. choice. Excellent yeah. choice. I get the cans of it because I get a whole... I need like a whole week's worth, but I want to get to what you were thinking about, what you were talking about this week. What's on your mind with Penn State football? I know you had a good article yesterday about predicting breakouts for the spring. Yeah, it's, you know, so this is like the uh, week of doom of the, uh, we're counting down the clock to spring practice. Like I think that you, me and everyone else that follows Penn State football just loves the excitement of things actually happening, right? Like, yes, they're doing winter workouts right now. Um, this week in particular is spring break, but spring practice starts in, let me check the clock here, 11 days. And, and so it's kind of that that countdown of, hey, let's talk about what we're expecting yeah. before spring practice so that by the time that spring practice comes, we can talk about whether we were right or not. Yeah. And you know, this is, this is kind of that, that lead in period. Yes. And, uh, I was so excited for things to start happening in my mind. I accidentally eliminated next week. I was going right sure. to the start of spring practice on Monday. I didn't do that when like, I just don't want there to be a week. My mind just erases it. And, and the, the dates don't matter. Going back again to my days in college and my focus and how it tends to not be exactly where it's supposed to be at all times. So you wrote something yesterday, though, uh, yeah. about the breakout candidates, and uh, I want to talk about the safety position, because you and I had a great conversation, I thought, uh, about what are we supposed to expect at that position. So yeah. I know you wrote about Jalen Reed. Tell me your thoughts about him as a potential breakout, and then we'll get into kind of the, the depth chart and positions and what we are thinking about that to start spring ball in 11 days. Yeah, so, so the the thing that I wrote yesterday was about second year players, right? So guys who, who um, the, the first one I did was first year players. So specifically early enrollees. Um, and so I followed it with, with second year guys who, you know, it, it kind of happens every year where there is a player or two or three who may not have had a complete breakout, their true freshman season, but played, Right. Like, so, yeah. so saw some action, some sparingly, yep. uh, you know, maybe a little bit more. Yep. And, and it happens more now with the four game rule, too. So you can see guys in certain situations, but they totally. really only played a couple hundred snaps. Correct. Correct. And so Jalen Reed is like perfect for yep. that, for that model of, hey, this is his opportunity this spring to, he has his feet wet. He has been through a season of practices. He has uh, and been involved in those practices, right? Yep. Uh, James Franklin talked about the fact that he had specific packages, right, uh, yep. on the defense. Yep. Uh, Late third in the down, season. I think. Yep. Yeah. Right. So. Yep. So he's a guy who, yeah, like I think his his final tally of defensive snaps was somewhere in the low 100s, right? Mm -hmm. Like 107, 111, something like that, and. But now he's got this opportunity. He's he's a guy who I, I'm not sure, and you can speak more to this. They're going to have to figure some things out in this uh, in the safety room specifically, yeah. uh, yep. Anthony Poindexter, because you've got a guy in Tig Brown who's coming back. There's no question he's a starter. He's a star. 
the highest expectations that there could be attached for him. But outside of that, one, there aren't a ton of scholarship safeties no. on the roster this spring. There are a ton coming in with the incoming class and uh, with a transfer from Lackawanna. Yep. But just in general, yeah, there aren't, there aren't that many bodies, scholarship bodies at safety this spring. And so you've got Jalen Reed, who is vying for an opportunity. You've got Keaton Ellis, who mm-hmm. is right. Like his career is advanced. I mean, it seems like just yesterday that he, he got to Penn state, but he's been around for a while. And yeah. so this feels like it, like this is his opportunity to, yep. to win a job or not. John Sutherland is moving to, to linebacker, right? That takes I'm, one out. I'm trying really hard not to roll my eyes. So I'm just staring directly at the camera. Continue. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, look, it is what it is. Um, yeah. they've, they've made that announcement and they're doing it. And so that leaves Zaki Wheatley as kind of the, the fourth guy. I mean, it, mm-hmm. maybe my numbers are off. I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but I, I only see four scholarship safeties uh, in the bank for this spring. Yeah. Which leaves, which leaves this prime wide window for someone to assert themselves and to 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 fit in next to Tig Brown. Yep. Uh, Sebastian Constantini is the only guy I would say that kind of intrigues me of somebody who's gotten a lot of run even before the numbers here. You heard a little bit about him last season uh, in spring ball. But, you know, again, like you said, only four scholarship guys. And how, yep. the, to me, what's interesting is how are they going to divvy up based on that who plays what position? That is really interesting because you've got you've got two young guys and two veteran guys, but I don't know that they all fit perfectly into two guys, you know, a young guy and a veteran guy at each position. So I was thinking, and you, you were you were kind of picking my brain about so where's Jalen Reed at what position? And and the way the season ended, he was playing that boundary role where uh, Jaquan Brisker was before he opted out of the bowl game. So what they did is Jalen Reed came in and replaced him, and Tig Brown was the in his same spot at that field position. But yep. is that what you want to do? That's the To me, that's the question, is do you want to do that? Because the way that before the bowl, Tig was talking to, you know, I, I actually had a time of a good amount of time of a one-on-one, basically, with him during one of the Zoom sessions, where it was just him and I, and I was asking him questions and talking to him about what he wanted for next year if he came back, wink. Um, and yeah. and one of the things he talked about is being more physical in the run game, being more of a presence behind the line of scrimmage, which screams to me that he's going to bulk up and play the boundary role. And then I yeah. see him in the spring over at the uh, at, at Max Testing Day, and he looked noticeably bigger. Now, yep. the problem is, because of the pandemic, I had never met Tig Brown in person. So I don't really know for a fact, but after watching him on screen for two years, he did seem like he was bigger and stronger. So does that throw our whole preconceived notion about who's playing where up in the air a little bit, knowing they need to have veteran guy at each position, and, and Keaton Ellis had been that field safety? Yeah, I mean... Possibly, right? I, like, I, given some of the feedback that I have gotten through the years, uh, at, at least as it pertained to last season, it it was kind of this, oh, Brisker wants to be closer to the ball. He's yeah. better closer to the ball. He had been playing out of position as the free right. two years ago. 
And so like the Tig Brown coming into the equation solved that because he's more of a center fielder. He, yep. he likes pass coverage. Right. And so uh, certainly I think that you can speak to this more eloquently than I can, but I'm not sure why that I'm not sure why Tig Brown would want to make that move. Right. Uh, or right. Right. Or, or if Penn state needs it, but maybe, but maybe Penn state does, right. Maybe, maybe Penn state needs somebody who it feels is more reliable um, and consistent that can fit into that role right. than a guy like Jalen Reed, who would seem to play the same position. Right. So, so is yes. It- so the, the, to me, the problem is not where Tig Brown and Jalen Reed fit together. It's who's the other boundary safety. Because if right. you had kept Jonathan Sutherland there, you could say Sutherland is our backup or he's going to split time with the young sophomore. Because Penn State has always said they want to be four deep in the sa- at the safety position. But does that mean Keaton Ellis has to move over to the boundary? Because Zaki right. Wheatley's coming from corner. So is he making the transition all the way over to that strong safety position, which to back up and just give a... And I know I'm talking a lot with my hands in my head, but this is what happens when I get excited. <laughs> my very Italian grandfather... Um, when, when you're, when you're divvying up the responsibilities of the safeties, you have the boundary and the free, the field safety, and they're roughly strong and free. So the field is the free safety. The boundary is the strong safety, but both in Penn state system have to be able to play interchangeably at times. That's how you disguise coverage. Now. And again, the other layer on top of this is that was with Brent Pry. So is there a more defined role with Manny Diaz where we don't care about disguising what we're going to do is we're going to find another way to confuse the quarterback or we're going to be so good at what we do that you're not going to throw deep and you're going to get... So there's there's a couple of different layers to this of a little bit of opaqueness about what might happen. But really to me, it's, it's who's the backup boundary safety because the other two fit really well together given that Chuck Losey said that uh, Jalen Reed got bigger and stronger this offseason, which was one of my notes coming out of the bowl game, is he just he can't play there yet. He's not strong enough to take on in the run game. So I think that is going to be what I'm looking for early on in spring practice. Yeah, but I mean, if he if he is bigger, stronger, and more prepared to take on that role, then, then maybe that's the fit, right? Is yeah. Keaton Ellis and... Wheatley as the free and and again like we're just talking about this spring there is ample opportunity for a kid like Mills to to come in and right I mean that's the real answer right right, there exactly so everybody everybody who's come from and I'm just everybody three guys (laughs) yeah (laughs) that have played safety right I mean they've they've got this little string that they've got going and they like it this little pipeline but they've all played their first their first year on campus at Penn state. Mm -hmm. And so I think it would be, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but certainly you would think that mills would be in a position to, to contribute right away uh, and and potentially be a fifth guy there. Yeah. Uh, And one of the things I, so Zaki Wheatley's dad is very active on Twitter. And one of the things he said uh, recently was that he wasn't moved because of any other reason other than they needed help at the safety position. Physically, they liked him at corner. My question yep. is, when Mills gets into the building, I want to see Wheatley play corner eventually. I've never seen Penn State switch somebody back to corner after they moved to safety. Yep. 
Yeah. Because I think there's value in that long physical corner like Joey Porter Jr. And if you can keep a pipeline of those guys going on on that boundary side corner, I think that's I think that's super valuable. Uh, so yep. I love this conversation. I could go the whole show on this, but we do have to honor our agreement and get to the questions that we promised that we would answer on the show. So here's our BWI mailbag with Nate and T. Frank. And finally, Nate's back after a couple weeks of not being here. Uh, it was touch and go today, so I appreciate you, Nate, of being able to be on the show today to honor our uh, our agreement that we would answer questions once a week during the offseason. So thank you for making it happen. I know it, it was a big move. It was a monumental thing. You had to move some things around to do this. Who who knew that not only do college students have spring break, but so do preschoolers? What? Uh, yeah, just... <laughs> they don't know. No, no, no. That only happens in state college. Uh, yeah. There, there, there's no such thing of that in rural Pennsylvania where I came from. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. My daughter so... like spring break, <laughs> spring break. Training them super early. Uh, yeah. First off, Losi's mustache from our BWI message board. Epic name. That yeah, immediately gets the answer. The get, get the question so answered. Uh, so three questions, he says. Hey, T. Frank, I must ask you three questions. Uh, the first one is just for me. Is your last name hyphenated or is Frank your middle name? Great question. Lots of people are confused by this. I have two first names. So let me throw this back up here. Any second now. There you go, bud. There we go. Uh, you see, oh, wow. my, You see down here my Twitter handle, at Thomas Frank Carr. I'm not a weirdo. I don't go by my middle name. I'm not like some pretentious English author. Thomas Frank is my first name. Carr is my last name. My mom gave me two first names, and there's no hyphen. I just have two first names as a first name. And I went, so I came to BWI from radio in State College, and I was known as T. Frank. I actually got that nickname in college from my radio broadcasting professor. So I just kept that as my kind of like a stage name, like Eminem or Jay-Z. I'm T. Frank. Frank. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that answers that question for you. Uh, and then he goes on to ask the other questions. Let me get this back up here. Uh, too early to tell, but what's your way too early prediction for the running back in tight end room this next year for the guys on the roster? Uh, he asked specifically, so there's a lot of questions here beyond his just question. Does Lee make the NFL leap if he's good this year? I don't think so. Do you think Ford and Holmes jump into the portal if somebody else takes their spot? Same with the tight end room. So let's just discuss running back and tight end. Running back is something you and I have point, pointed to of if there's going to be a transfer out of the program, it's gonna it might come from that room. Do you still feel that way this spring? Yes. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I like... Obviously, you have to to wait and see how things pan out, but the time, like the the, the ace up your sleeve of having a red shirt available for certain players is like that's kind of gone, right? Yeah. Um, that like Devin Ford isn't going to red shirt, uh, because I Holmes already red shirted, Kevon Lee is not going to red shirt. So that leaves you the two freshmen in Nick Singleton and Catron Allen, who uh, my presumption is neither one of those guys want to or the, right. They would be crazy to redshirt either one of them. And you so, know, if, if I had to, it's funny. Catron Allen has the game to translate immediately from like it's on tape. It looks professional. 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, I would redshirt him over Nick Singleton because you're only getting Nick Singleton for three years. That's Correct. it. Like, I'm calling the NFL shot there already. So, yep. Catron Allen, I have more of a question of does he have early exit ability? He's, again, a little more like Noah Kane to me. He'd be the guy at redshirt, but he might be the best of the young players early on in his career because of what he did at IMG Academy. So, there's no yep. real good answer between those two of redshirting either. You just you just want to th- see where things shake out, right? I mean, yeah. uh, by the end of this spring, y- y- I mean, if they don't already know what they have with Devin Ford, I, I don't believe that. I think that they right. do know what they have with Devin Ford. And frankly, uh, dare I say it, I mean, he was going to start that Iowa game or he did start that Iowa game before he got hurt, right? Like <laughs> there, there are... There have been opportunities, things that they have liked about what Devin Ford has done. It's just a matter of consistency yep. and staying healthy. Health. Staying healthy is a, a huge part of this. Yeah, and and taking a step forward. Um, so coming yep. in, coming in, his his to me, his evaluation, his upside was all built on can he get bigger? And mm-hmm. so far throughout his career, he has not been able to crest much over two hundred pounds. Yep. Uh, he does not have the running style to not break tackles. He's not elusive. He is a straight line speed and power guy, but the power seems to be lacking. He tried, like he buries people with effort, but I, you know, and I did, I, I just, I think this spring to see something from him, it has to be more of, of that. There has to be I mean, more we, of that. Did we not call him at one point, the best pass protecting running back that they had? Did we? Pro- may, I think probably. We may, I, think, I think we may have, Last year at, at one point, I, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's a little tricky, but I don't, it's going to be interesting because yeah. five is like just over the line or five is the line. Certainly yeah. you can't have six. And you saw that with Noah Kane transferring out, but five, I think they can probably live with four is, is maybe more realistic given not what the program wants, but what these guys want individually. Yeah. Right. I mean, they all want to play. You want to get on the field. And so I would, if you don't see a pathway to that, then it might be a little bit more challenging. I would also say that it would be pretty easy to have Nick Singleton fourth in the spring, you know, and then all of a sudden in the fall, he's number three and then he's number two and then he's, sure. you know, might be splitting reps with a number one sort of thing because he's a freshman. You know, like it's it's important to also point out that like right now he might not be the best running back in the holistic sense of playing the position well, but that doesn't mean it precludes it from happening over the summer and into fall camp once he gets more comfortable. And same thing with Catron Allen. So what happens in the spring, you know, might keep guys on the roster. Yep. Might not. I, I don't know. And I, I think it was there's a lot of different ways they could go. So let's move yeah. on to the tight end position because I, I want to I want to get to that, too. Um, with a tight end room, he doesn't mention in his question Tyler Warren because I don't think Brenton Strange is making any NFL leap after this year. Theo Johnson, maybe. But I, is this a, he asks if this is a place where someone else hits the portal. I don't think that. But I don't think that we're paying enough attention to Tyler Warren this offseason is I think where I'm going with this. Yeah, no, I think that's probably fair. I Look, something has to improve there. And I'm not saying that they were um, bad last year necessarily. I just think that there were inconsistencies that need to be cleaned up given the fact that so much of Penn State's success in recent years has been predicated on the, the success of the tight end position. So, yeah, I mean, I, 
certainly in terms of NFL leap, like I, I don't, I don't see that today uh, from anyone in that room. It's just a matter yep. of like, <laughs> you know, or what, what, what is that position going to look like? How are they going to fit into Mike Yersich's offense in the second go round? Uh, Sean Clifford's reliance on or not of that position. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot up in the air there, I think. Yeah. Uh, then he asks that this is still Losi's mustache. This is the only time. So if you ask a question again, this is the only time I'm going through a three-part question because he did lead with the conversation about my first name, which is the only time I ever bring it up. I will never bring that up unless somebody asks because it's such a convoluted conversation that I've had since I was six years old. So finally here, he asks, taking a look at those rooms for the class of 23, uh, in recruiting, take two at each position, or will they only take one running back, seeing as what they have at the position right now for the next three to four years, which, again, I'm going to laugh at the idea of him being here for four years. Um, I think it's two at each position, and I know, Nate, you're not as in, in tune with the with the recruiting stuff. You focus on the team proper, um, but they've had five tight ends come through the class of 2023 at that position. Well, really, they've had... They've had uh, two that have moved positions now where they've they've had um uh Joey Schlaffer has been their tight end that's stayed a tight end in that group then Matthias Barnwell has opened up his uh mind to the idea of playing a different position he is now on the defensive line and so is Neo Avery who's switching his position to defensive end which has been hilarious to watch this tight end room just basically manufacture defensive linemen for John Scott Jr. But I think they'll take a second tight end. Uh, I'm up in the air. I think they'll also take two running backs, given the uh, the number of recruits that are the number of offers they've sent out recently and where they are with some guys. So I want to move on. Um, not to cut you off. I know you had a lot of thoughts there, Nate, on on that particular topic. No thoughts. Zero. <laughs> Poncho 570. Can you name an offensive and a defensive player that would provide a big sigh of relief to the coaching staff with a big spring session? Who do you think? Uh, Penn State needs like, oh, thank goodness we saw what we wanted to out of X. Let's start on the defensive side. Hmm. Uh, you go first. I, well, I, I, I was, I was going to let you go first because I thought you were going to go with the obvious one of Adisa Isaac. Because normally, yeah. normally I don't start with the low-hanging fruit. Yeah. But I don't know that it's low-hanging fruit. We don't know what Adisa Isaac is yet. So this is a – like we have an idea – but as the 1A pass rusher, and you might not even find this out until the fall, truthfully, of like what is – we're going to find out a lot about the offensive and defensive linemen that are stepping into bigger roles this year. Isaac, there's a lot of information that we need to download over the first couple of weeks heading into then April. So that's where I'm going to start. If, if he looks like the guy that's going to be the next Arnold Ebikiti or the next Adafe Owe or Shaka Tony, whatever you want to call him – that would be a huge relief because then Penn State can, if you've got one, like we saw last year with Arnold Ebikiti, one really good pass rusher can kind of uh, top, you know, a little bit top heavy, make everything okay. Then they just yeah. got to find the other pieces to support that. Yeah. I, to be honest with you, I think there's actually, there's quite a few options. There, there are. <laughs> uh, specific to the defensive side of the ball, right? I mean, you can yeah. go through the linebacker room outside of Curtis Jacobs, you can really, I mean, Hakeem Beeman. Yeah. What's, yep. what's his deal? I mean, what's he was going to start last year, right? Like what's his position? What's his deal? Is he back? Is he playing? Is he good? 
uh, yeah, I mean, you you name like where's PJ Mustafer? And I don't think that anybody has any expectation, obviously, of him uh, participating this spring. But just in general, there are quite a few unknowns, health wise, eligibility wise, participation wise, and and quality of performance wise, that they're going to have to figure out. I mean, Manny Diaz has his hands full on that side of the ball, even with as many intriguing slash players worthy of optimism as they have. I mean, there's, there's yeah. plenty of reason for that on that side of the ball. I don't think that there's a lack of talent necessarily. Yeah. It's just a, it's just a more, more up in the air situation. I think on, on the defensive side of the ball than they've had in a few years. So sure. we, we have not said the names Devon Ellis or Kazai Izzard in a while. Yeah. Um, I'm just interested at that. Like the fact that you and I, well, yeah. I know for me specifically, I've been looking past them on the roster to what else is there. And I, I don't know that that's entirely fair to them. And I don't know that I'm doing it that I am ignoring them. I think it's more of like I have a defined picture of what they are, but even they are not a set thing. They are not a set yeah. entity as young players, especially Izzard that was thrown into the fire pretty early in his career. So offensively, Offensive side of the ball, which lineman are you going to pick as a sigh of relief player? Hang on a second. Was it was the was the question phrased as as lineman? Does it is it is it limited? Oh, just, offensive and defensive. Anything. I was reading player. specifically lineman in my head. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Attention to detail. <laughs> I I could not have started this podcast in a better way than I Listen, did because it, it informs all of my mistakes that I make every day. If it's, if it's just linemen uh, on the offensive side of the ball, open it I up. Poncho Poncho wants to know whatever player you, yeah, you're well, thinking, you of. know, look, what's, what's the slam dunk on offense? Oh, the quarterback. Yeah, man. Yeah. Which, which quarterback? <laughs> Any of them. Any of the quarterbacks. Yeah. Seeing, like, would be a huge sigh of relief. Although, I, you know, I don't, they're probably not there, right? I mean, they, they, there, there will be no sigh of relief given the uh, PTSD that has been attached to that position yeah. for each of the last three seasons. I also don't know um, that you'd have a sigh of relief if one of the backup quarterbacks challenged Sean Clifford. It's more of a, it, it, there's a, there's a slight sigh of relief, but in that sigh is then the tension of what do we do with Sean now? How do yeah. we handle this? And that is, it, it's, it's, it would be a good place to be. It's where you want to be. But it is also something that Penn State has, I think, struggled with when it comes to their quarterbacks of managing having more than one option because it, it, it I mean, we just see the, the evidence of the backup quarterback never gets, uh, I think, a fair run on the field to work through some things the way that the starter has. So yeah. that that's. There's another problem there. I would say Olufashanu is my answer, and that's kind of that's probably why I thought offensive and defensive line because my thoughts went to those positions. If you know for a fact that Olufashanu can play at a level near Rashid Walker, and I know that he got beat up a lot this year for not being great, but he wasn't bad. And if you can have that ascending from Fashanu, I think you're in a great spot. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, I'll 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 go with some sexier picks though. Uh, sure. In Singleton or Lee, either one of those guys. Actually, really anybody. In, 
like forget individual names, open it up to position groups. <laughs> and to me, and to me, there are there are significant like anybody who asserts themselves as a stud at receiver. And I think maybe Parker Washington is kind of scratching at that door, but Mitchell Tinsley, right? Like what, whatever at, at receiver you want to have, you need to have arguably three or four there yeah. who, you know, that you can rely on. I mean, I, I brought it up the other day on the message board, Penn state traditionally. And when I say traditionally, I'm talking about James Franklin's tenure at Penn state. When Penn state has three receivers plus a tight end all with 25 or more receptions they've had really good years mm-hmm. and when they haven't they haven't yeah <laughs> like it's i mean it's a it's a it's a, a a pretty clear distinction in that vein so yeah i mean i think they needed i think they need another receiver to step up and be good and and reliable and i think they need a running back to be a stud like yeah. to just be a star and they haven't had a star maybe nick singleton is it Maybe uh, Kevon Lee is ready to be that, mm. but in in either direction, if they saw that and that was what presented itself through the course of the spring, I think that would really, really alleviate some of the pressure of of how they pursue and how they uh, approach really the rest of the summer. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. It's the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. That's Nate Bauer, Senior Editor. If you're listening on a podcast version, we're doing uh, this via YouTube as always. So the questions are up on the, on the board. So if there's anything that I've missed to actually explain or go in depth or give the perspective of, you can always check out the YouTube channel. I do my best to read everything on screen out loud for you. But if you're watching on YouTube, you know that's all obvious. You can read all of it. So make sure you subscribe and you don't miss any of our mailbag editions here on the BWI Daily. And here's the deal I'm giving everyone this week, Nate. You can subscribe to Blue White Illustrated on YouTube and the website, and it'll cost you exactly $1 for both of those. It's a bundle deal for your spring, uh, whatever you want to attach it to in the spring. It's spring, so that's our deal. Both of those things for just a dollar. Link is in the description of the video. I'm going to sign up twice. Ooh, bad man. Are you going to like have like a shadow account so you can go and you can uh, you can uh, say really inflammatory things on the message board? Is that is that the point of the second account? How do you know that I already don't? (laughs) (laughs) That's a really great point. (laughs) Arguments with myself constantly. (laughs) That would be phenomenal. Uh, but seriously though, it's a great place to come and talk about football. So if you want to have these conversations, um, in a bit, in a different form, but still have 
I think, really good football conversations for the most part on the BWI message board. Sign up for just a dollar. You get insider access to everything we do at Blue White Illustrated. And when you ask a question there for the mailbag, we get to it. So Lamgall, I think. I, I don't know how to pronounce some of these things. That sounds like something I'm going to make a mistake on. Hey, T. Frank, as an O-line expert, I think that might be a stretch, but thank you for saying that. What do you think the best solution at right tackle will be for next season, assuming we don't get any transfer tackle? Would you anticipate a Will Fry situation where Wallace moves to the inside and Tangwall takes over the right tackle spot? Tangwall, he thinks, is a potential All-American guard or center, but he might be the best option for O-line performance if he moves to right tackle in uh, Lamb Golf's position. This is addressed to me, but I want to give you some thoughts so I don't filibuster here. Uh, so I'll let you start on this, Nate. I mean, you filibuster. You're you're great at this. I look. I I think that this spring is vitally important yep. for Phil Trowan to figure it out, for yep. lack of a better right. I mean, they just these are the pieces that you have. How do they fit? And last season, I think that they had an idea and look, I mean, best laid plans, right? Yeah. Uh, things always get topsy turvy. It's never exactly what you think it's going to be by the time that the season starts or through the course of the season. But for right now, this spring, here's what you got. And what you got are quite a few players who have two plus years in the program. Yep. Right. Where, where do they fit? He's had the time to evaluate them. He's had the time to see what they do well. He's had the time to see where they've developed and where they haven't developed. And so now it's really incumbent on him to, to be able to find the roles for the players that he has to, to, to make the best five. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's. That's a that's a way of saying I don't know, but he, <laughs> but he, but he needs to. Yes, he well as to. as another and as Lamgall said, as another O line expert and a peer of Phil Troutwine, who absolutely <laughs> knows as much about offensive line play as Phil Troutwine, who was an NFL offensive lineman, I'm qualified to speak on this. Yeah, dear Lord, I said that uh, I said that on a microphone. And someone's going to take that seriously. I, I I know for a fact that's going to come back to bite me as something that wasn't taken as a joke. Okay. With that said, I'm going to tell you a quick story. So the last time Nate and I were on camera talking, I said, I don't know what to do with Rasheed Walker. I just, I, 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 there's a lot of things that I don't know why he plays the way he does. So, this week, bluewhiteillustrated.com, part of the plus content that you can go read for that dollar we mentioned, is I went in and I did basically a scouting report on Rasheed Walker for the for the pro day and for the draft. And I found some things that I didn't notice the first couple times around when I was watching the film during the season when I'm watching everything instead of one individual player. Rasheed took a step forward in his technical abilities last season. And I know that sounds crazy. What I'm saying is by the end of the season, he was coming out of his stance quicker, more consistently with great pop and his hands in the right spot. I watched Phil Troutwine drill the offensive line on that stuff during the season. Nate and I talked about some of the stuff that we, we observed during the season, and you were describing having that drill where the bag was over your hands, right? Mm -hmm. That's teaching you to get your hands in the right spot so that they're ready to go and they're ready to engage with an off uh, with the defensive lineman 
uh, when they when he comes to you. Rashid's problems were mental focus and follow through. So all of those things that he was being taught, he was doing until sometimes he just smacked guys in the face because his hands got too high. I see similar things with Caden Wallace of he has more physical issues at the, at the position. I think he's a little stiff and top heavy, and that's one of the reasons why he gave up some bad pressures. But I see the technical improvement, and I see the areas where he does look like a right tackle. More so, I think, than Will Fries, who did not have the feet for the position. I do think Caden Wallace has enough athleticism where if his balance develops and his ability to play with consistent technique develops, and also they're not throwing the ball 37 times a game. He's not put in too many obvious passing situations by the fact that they have more balance and then the fact that the quarterback gets the ball out to receivers who catch it down the field. That's another thing that I found watching some of this stuff is that the number of critical mistakes that were just physical errors, dropping the football, not being in position, not getting a block, like those are not coaching things. That's execution of your assignment. That's a problem. And I think Caden Wallace can take a step forward where there's an avenue for him to be a, a good right tackle. I don't think elite, but a good one. So that was what I that's where I'm aligning my expectations for this offseason to see a better, more balanced, more uh nimble Caden Wallace. So that's that's what I want to see this spring. And I think that can prevent what you're talking about, which is playing somebody like Landon Tangwall at a position where they're not accentuating the offensive line and making things better instead of just being good. Like there needs to be guys that are great out there and Tangwall can be one of those. I don't know even if you move him inside if Caden Wallace is great. I think he's a good football player. So anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Beaverman 72. And I this is one I don't know if we did this one last week or not. Uh, so, Beaverman, if you asked this one and, and we got to it last week, you get a double answer of this question. Aside from the offensive line, which position group underperformed most last year? Who is the chosen position group that needs to have a better year? Nate, after my 17-minute story about the offensive line, please take this one away. Whew. Um, who underperformed the most last year? You know, quarterback, yes. That was um, going to be my answer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but with, you know, with caveats that are important because it's not, that didn't happen in a vacuum. There were, yep. there were things that impacted specifically <clears throat> the offensive line, right? Yep. <laughs> Had a pretty severe impact and then not being able to mo make the most of the opportunities that you do have. I mean, look, like we've been through this story and we have seen it multiple times now over the last 10 years. So none of that is unfamiliar. After that, however, and we talked about them earlier, I think the tight ends probably yeah. are, are, are really right. Like that was just a spot where it just didn't come together and it didn't happen and it didn't click the way that it needs to. And so I'm not sure. I'm not sure if, Penn State has had two, you know, pretty like one great and then one that's up and coming. Uh, when we're talking about some of the successful seasons that they've had in 16 and 17, obviously in 19, 
is that the situation, right? It, it, it almost like running back. Is, is this a Mike Gesicki from 2017 to 19 situation, right? Where, right. or was it 15 where he dropped all the balls and he was inconsistent and you could yep. see he was open, but you couldn't trust him. And then all of a sudden he becomes an all big 10 tight end that goes in the second round. You're saying that, are we going to see that development this year from somebody or the group as a, at large? Correct. Yeah, correct. And so I don't, I don't know, but I think that if you're looking at underperformed, I don't, I don't know if it's underperformed based on what their actual experience was or what their talent level is, but I think underperformed to what the needs of Penn State's offense are is probably an accurate way to describe it. Yep. The court. So, and I'll just quickly about the quarterback. You're right. There are so many qualifiers to that statement including and this is something that I don't think I was fair enough with Sean Clifford last year about is what does an injury do to your mental performance how does that affect who you become when uh, when you're injured so I, I I don't know how that the mental side of things changed for him over the course of the year but the fact of the matter is they did so some quarterbacks can gut through that and play injured and play great. And that's where I think the underperforming comes from is the idea that he was not able to do that because he had to keep his head above water to, for that offense to survive. Uh, fair or unfair, he is the quarterback. That was the expectation. That is not what happened. So that's kind of my view of that in particular. So let's get into... you. Go ahead. I, I just I have to ask this because I, I, I'm, I'm thinking, um, you know, maybe too simplistically here, but... Is the fact that there's three full seasons of film on him going to be to his detriment this season? Like, do you, because I'm thinking back on last year and it's not like he played great against Wisconsin, right? Like they got right. it done, but yeah. it wasn't a great performance. He had a great night against Auburn. Yep. Like that was a, that was a great night that he had. He had a, he had a really a non-conference good night. game too. Correct. Feel me? See where I'm yep. going with this? Yes, I do. <laughs> so and so, uh, you know, sometimes I just wonder if if the blueprint and the book is out. Yes. You know, <laughs> yes. Because defense, right? Like, I mean, you know what to look for. So certainly, uh, all of these defensive coordinators know what to look for and know what to do, and and will feel confident in what their game plan is to to kind of contain him. Yep. And so I I, I just. It's it's going to be interesting to me to see if if is there a way to to kind of change your spots. And, I was and to I was change who a, you are. I, I so huh. I was having a conversation about this, and somebody brought up Clifford is better when he runs the football more, and 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 I just was like, no, that's wrong. But I didn't have a great way to elocute it at the at that point. So here is the reason. Running the ball as a quarterback is one of two. Th it's a symptom of your offense being inefficient in the through the air. And it's one of two things. You either have a talent that can't throw the football effectively. So running is the better option or you have it. What is the best option is it's a supplement to your running game, which is strong enough that it it is a problem for the defense quarterbacks running the ball are supposed to, unless you have truly special players, they are supposed to just take advantage of the other team oversetting. 
chasing the running back, and then the back door is wide open. That's how that comes. Like, you have a defensive end that doesn't play well in space. That's kind of changed now where defensive ends are now trained to play the read option better, and there's a better answer to that. So now, on zone options where you're getting everybody flowing so hard one way, the quarterback can come back the other, and there's a big running lane. That's the point, that you're taking advantage of what the defense is doing because the defense has to overcompensate because you're so good at something else. Penn State, if, if they're good at running the ball, or if Clipper, Clifford becomes great at throwing the ball deep down the field... It doesn't like the running is 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 the gravy. It's the whip topping. It is not the yeah. the. It's not the answer. I think we've seen yeah. that when they try to go to it as the answer, that's when they get in trouble and Clifford gets injured because you can't do anything else. So you try the quarterback run game because it's supposed to be this cheat code, and it's it it's just not with him specifically because he's not Cam Newton. He's not yeah. Josh Allen. I. Certainly, I can reflect on the last three years and think of some very important carries that he has had, things that changed games for Penn State, win or lose, right? Like Penn State, people forget, uh, Penn State was going to lose that Indiana game (laughs) two years ago, uh, were it not for his scramble in the fourth quarter yep. or the third quarter, right? I mean, he had a big uh, 35 yard touchdown. Um, and, and so obviously ultimately they did lose that game, but I, I just think that there, there have been times where yes, that has to be an option. He has to be physically capable of doing it, but it, it can't be the first option with him. I, I like, and I don't think that Penn state has ever presented it otherwise, like as though that's uh, a, a paramount to hit to his success. I just think that it opens things up even more for him, um, you know, to, to, to be successful. So, right. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think that, I think that to, it, it is absolutely important for him to be able to run, but it's not, it, it, you're right to your point that it can't be the first option because if it's the first yeah. option, it means they're stuck in the mud. I, I, I just, I, I don't think it's up to Sean Clifford, whether or not he can run. It's up to the situation that dictates whether he can run or not. This next oh. one, second to last question we're going to get to today, BWI daily edition. Nate, we're going to get to an hour <laughs> on this show today. Uh, what is, what airline passenger behavior annoys you the most? Nate was just on vacation. So I thought this was a perfect time from honest Jay Paterno. Uh, to get this question in. So Nate, you're uh, as a, as a world jet setter who travels to yeah. things for yeah, yeah. events, what yeah. bothers you the most? Um, I, to be honest with you, I was actually going to respond to this. Uh, I saw it on Twitter and was just going to say like, Hey, let's not wait for the show. Let's just get right into it. And the answer, <laughs> because I, because I experienced quite a bit of this people who don't, and I, I don't know when the last time that you traveled is, but people who don't turn their sound off on their cell phones right now is like a thing. People people listen to videos like they watch a video on a plane without headphones on. Uh, it is I I mean it's unconscionable. Um, and then the second one, the second one, and this one really was very. I mean it just. It, ate me at my core. I saw a guy put his overhead bag in lengthwise and up with the handle 
extended. What? It was, it was the most egregious use of overhead space that I've ever seen in my life. And I, I can't get over it and I won't get over it. Um, it was rude. Listen, everybody, they go in, they go in sideways standing up, right? Like that's the, that's, that's how you put those bags in. And then you can fit as many of them as you possibly can because the overhead space is important. So yes, it is just a tip. Just, just throwing that out there. What do uh, you got? So I, I have tra- I have been on a plane before. I have absolutely <laughs> been on a plane. Um, I so I don't, I don't, I don't really have any hot takes about this. I would say just generally rudeness. Sure. And and and, and I'm I'm thinking specifically of people that are rude to the airline attendants. Yeah, I, and I don't think I'm not trying to be like you know wave a flag for anybody, but everyone is stressed traveling. You're not special. Like sure. your stress is not anything special. So just deal with it like an adult and like a stoic American, and and just be quiet until you're off the plane, and don't think that you're gonna make a stand for any sort of anything like just be on the plane and get off the plane in an orderly manner. I guess if there was another thing that I don't like, and this is coming from my wife is a very anxious traveler, very anxious. If you aren't prepared to get off the plane and you haven't at least made a plan, like you, even if you're just sitting there doing nothing, but you don't have a plan of efficient movement through the cabin of, okay, when that person gets up, I'm going to then get up and then I'm going to grab my bag and like, we're going to do this dance. If you're just sitting there like, I didn't think about this at all. The, people do have to get to connecting flights about a mile away through uh, through the, the Detroit airport, specifically if you're coming from State College, uh, in about 15 minutes. So that is very rude. Uh, can, I, our, can I go... Sure. Should I go with one more? Sure. Uh, <laughs> fragrant food. Oh um, yeah. Oh yeah. That's a good one. Like, like don't eat shrimp scampi uh, <laughs> on an airplane. <laughs> I'm don't, not saying that happened. Don't don't it, bring it a bag of tuna happened. fish uh, that's yeah, like, warm now on the plane. All fish should be off limits on an airplane. Period. If, if there isn't water nearby, there isn't a body of water. You can't no have fish. fish. Let's make that the rule. That's a great rule. Okay. Last question today, Nate. Um, this one I think is a great place from where we just came from, not from the airplanes. Got a question for you. It says Rad Dad Jeans, our buddy, back with the uh, bedazzled Thanks. jeans. Who, Love. by the way, his his is not his at, but his Twitter name. Is just ah, it's just a h capitalized. I'm I'm gonna pronounce it dramatically and say that it's ah. He says, "All right, I've got one for you. What are the chances we see a pre-Iowa injury Sean Clifford again?" Hi, I think. I, what do you think? I don't know. I mean, I, listen. I don't want to. I don't want to wax poetic for forever here, but. I think that his potential to be that guy is always there. I think it was there in 19. I think it was there in 20. I think it was there last year, Uh, which is to say streaky, like pretty good and then pretty not good. 
Um, it, it just like he, he's not. I don't think I think he has moments and quarters where he is a bad quarterback. I think he has quarters and moments where he is an above average quarterback. And so I, I think that that is what happened and what we saw in the first five games last season. And then after that, I think that the injury, the injury hurt that opportunity for him. Um, yeah. And so like, I, I just, I, I don't <laughs> change the question to, is there a chance that we see Sean Clifford be better, like demonstrably better than he was the first five games last year? I think the answer is no. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, and I'm not trying to be like a jerk. I, mean, I, yeah. I don't know. Like I just heard that and it was like, oh man, you, like, you sound like a real jerk. Uh, you can I just, no, but you talked about this. You, you, you politely said it is the book out on Sean Clifford. The book was out on Sean Clifford last year, you know, like 2020 got, he was figured out in 2020. And then it's to what degree can you execute that in, uh, in, uh, the years that follow and you mentioned Auburn Auburn re- rushed three and four the entire game that was it people threw bodies at Sean Clifford and when you did that he didn't he didn't respond well sometimes yep. he responded great but it's about the consistency and that's where he had to take a step forward we talked about this time and time again so then the question becomes can you see pre Iowa Sean Clifford again yes if he's got a great pocket and receivers get open and the first read is open and if even if the first read isn't open if he's got a clean pocket and somebody comes open again or he works well with somebody in scramble situations all of those things will be pre-injury Sean Clifford it just becomes those situations where you get pressure and he's got to decide in that moment if he's going to be the guy that throws the ball up against uh, Maryland and, and it's a pick six, or if he's going to be the guy that against Wisconsin, he threw the ball out of bounds and lived to see another day. Yep. That's, that's the game with Sean Clifford, is how he responds yep. in those moments. And, and that's the game for every quarterback. But yeah. they have varying degrees of success against pressure. And, and varying degrees of successful offensive lines. Yep. And and tight ends and running backs who are the people that they're relying on to be able to, to get that clean look. And I think, and again, I mean, I, I don't, it's, it's early. We'll see what happens, but are, are, is your anticipation that Penn state's offensive line and pass protection is so many light years better that those situations won't present themselves or that that won't be the plan for opponents of Penn state this season. I don't, they can have higher highs. I would say this is, this is my expectation is that the talent is increasing on the field. I, I just, I, I know I'm putting too much on a redshirt freshman, but Landon Tangwall just moves differently. And yep. if Hunter Norzad comes in and plays to the level that he can as a more physical run blocker, they should have more movement in the run game because of those two guys. Oh, the, the tackles just have to hold their water. The center just has to not... And I guess I'm putting all this on the guards, and that's a bad place to go from a football analysis standpoint. So I guess uh, the longer I talk, the more I'm on your side of... I think that... Oh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll stick to my guns. Their higher highs will be evident but there will still be maybe the same result because there are mistakes and there are things that just you can't clean up in one year in transition. 
Yeah, may, and maybe the floor is higher, right? Like maybe the maybe the absolute depths of the floor is better than it was before. Yeah. Well, that's um, where Fashanu you know, like, comes in because he's gotta he's gotta be he's gotta have that floor that's better, and the the high highs might be he doesn't give up any pressures in a game. So yeah, it it just it doesn't change the fact though that you're gonna get Ohio State's defensive line. Yeah, right. Like they're still coming, yep. and so no matter how good you are, there are going to be times and moments in a game where you've got to be able at that position to handle that. And you don't, you don't have to be, I mean, it's literally what you just said. It's not that you have to turn that blitz into uh, a broken play touchdown. It's that you have to not get crushed. (laughs) It's good for you. And it's good for the, the offense. That's for sure. You can't, you can't, you can't, like you can't give up the, the fumble six. Like you just, it, it can't happen. And it's too many times. And like, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you can pick out these instances and say, oh, well, if it wasn't for this one play, if it wasn't for this one interception at the goal line backed up against the goal line at Iowa, if it wasn't for the interception at Indiana backed up against the goal line, if it wasn't for the fumble six, if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for, and all of a sudden now you're talking not about specific instances. You're talking about patterns. You, you sound almost like uh, you're grading him on a play by play basis. Like somehow this is an analytics conversation now, Nate, that consistency is more important than highlights. Don't I'm having a hard time here. I think we're going to have to start arguing about something like fourth down decisions. I'll go for it every time. No, I'm playing a dangerous game with my camera that the battery's about to die. So let's end the show now. <laughs> We're not talking about fourth down decisions. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Hart, Nate Bauer, killing it today on our mailbag episode. Make sure you subscribe to Blue White Illustrated. Follow us on Twitter so you know every Wednesday night you can get your question in on Twitter. Or if you're a message board member, you can get them in directly, bluewhiteillustrated.com. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older in present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit KS Gambling Help 
Stop in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.